Hello, 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 and welcome back to Sybil for Sex, the show where we talk sex, kinks, and everything between the sheets. As always, I am your host, Miss Sybil Shameless. Thanks for joining me back here. Oh, I hope your week has been absolutely fantastic. Mine has been interesting. I've been so busy. Um, I've been recording a lot of interviews, which I cannot wait to release to everyone. There's something for everybody, really. And, you know, if <laughs> if you told me when I was a kid that I would spend a lot of my time in my closet talking to myself and to others, I, w- I would have fucking loved it. <laughs> I am really enjoying this, and so I, I hope that you are enjoying it at least half as much as I am. Um, I've decided that we're going to start doing a new segment on this. Um, I know this is a second episode, so it's like everything that we do is a new segment, but uh, we're going to highlight people who are particularly terrible because I think it's funny and I just want to roast them. Um, So I, I had a lot of like attention drawn to my Reddit account um, from a couple of posts that I had this week, which was dope. Um, you know, that's kind of, that's what we want to do with Reddit. Um, the, the problem, uh, and it isn't even a problem because like, I really don't care what this person has to say, but, uh, somebody took the time to click into my profile to click on, um, my post that has my list of services and said that it was hilarious and that they felt bad for anybody who um, would actually pay me, which was just laughable to me because I wish I had that much time to go into somebody else's shit just to try to make them feel badly. Um, I'm like, I don't know what the purpose was or what he, that he was trying to get out of it, but it was just bizarre. It's so bizarre to me when people go out of their way to try to be nasty like, I don't know. I don't know what that person needs, but um, I hope they find it. Um, but, you know, with that in mind, if you want to give me money, I'm not going to be mad about it. You can find me on Cash App, on uh, on PayPal. You can find me on OnlyFans. If you want to give me money, tip me, whatever. That would make me really happy. Um, but... Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm not gonna let something that ridiculous get me down. You know, somebody who doesn't know me being absurd. But, uh, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do now. Because uh, I feel like you took the time to to write it, so I'm gonna take the time to talk about it. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe he'll listen and enjoy it. I don't fucking know. Um, but anywho, I, I love trying to talk my friends into sex work. And uh, the reason for that, like, obviously, I'm not trying to talk anybody into doing something that they really don't want to do. But I have so many friends who are beautiful and have different assets and things that I think would be that would make them really fantastic sex workers. Um, So literally, like at least once a week, I have a conversation with a friend telling them that I think they should go into sex work. And uh, I, I do have one friend who's a little baby sex worker, and I'm, I'm so proud of her. Um, but uh, our guest today is somebody who I would love to see as a little baby sex worker. Um, I want her to have a, an OnlyFans where she just, like, just puts things next to her butt. Like, doesn't even put them inside her butt. Just puts them next to her butt. Because her butt is fucking glorious. Um... She is fantastic. Um, uh, As a trigger warning, we do get into some discussion of sexual assault um, and uh, also biphobia. So um, if those are are triggers for you, you know, you may want to skip this episode. But there's a lot of really great information in here. We discuss the female orgasm and we discuss what's normal. And we also talk about, you know, being not gay enough and not straight and straight enough. We're not gay enough for the straight community and we're not straight enough for the gay community, which is something that I myself have experienced. Um, so we get into that discussion about what being queer means and who's allowed to say that they're queer. Spoiler alert. If you're queer, you're queer. 
And that doesn't mean that you have to only sleep with a certain sex. It doesn't mean that you are only attracted to a certain sex. It doesn't mean that you have to choose. You're just, you're just you. So, um, that, it's an interesting discussion and I can't wait for you to hear it. Um, this, uh, particular interviewer, uh, chose to remain anonymous and I want to respect that fully. Um, so we have given her the code name of Persephone. Um, and Persephone is an absolutely lovely human being. If she ever creates an OnlyFans, um, which I, I hope someday she does, I will be more than happy to shout her out. Um, but uh, for the time being, uh, we will just have to enjoy her wonderful, her wonderful presence. Um, so everybody, please give a very warm welcome to my good friend, Miss Persephone. Welcome to Sybil for Sex. Uh, as we all know, I am your host, Sybil Shameless. And today we are joined by my very, very lovely friend, Miss Persephone. Welcome to the podcast, Persephone. Thank you. Happy to be here, Sybil. I am so happy to have you. You are, you know, one of my one of my favorite people in the whole wide world for so many reasons. And I know that you uh, are always down for all of my shenanigans. Um, you actually took the the profile picture that I use for uh, my Instagram profile and whatnot, and I I appreciate that so immensely. <laughs> well, I mean, with such a great you know, person to photograph. It's always very fun. That's not fair. You're not supposed to compliment me. I'm just supposed to compliment you. I'm like, (laughs) my heart is like, oh. I can't help it. You're super photogenic and a great subject to photograph, so. Thanks, girl. Same to you, because you got that that wagon that you're dragging, and I'm just (laughs) like, yas, queen, yas, yas, yas. (laughs) You know, I do what I can, except it's completely <laughs> natural. I don't do anything for it. Well, we should all be appreciating it. Like, obviously, like, the whole package is, like, you're, you're fantastic, you're smart, you're beautiful, like, you, you're my cute redheaded friend. Um, <laughs> even though you always be on it, like, you are a total babe. 10 out of 10. Well, back at you. Clearly, you. clearly we're obsessed with each other for anybody listening. <laughs> Yeah, really, we are. We, we've had to have conversations about, like, why we aren't actually dating each other. And it's, uh, I'm sure we will have to revisit it again in the future. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, so, Persephone, you are on to talk about sex and your sex life and your sex things. And, uh, yeah, so let's, uh, let's jump right in. Um we kind of had an, an interesting revelation just before now. Um, so I want to, I want you to kind of take the lead on um, the conversation that we had previously. Yeah, sure. So I guess just to start with background, um, I was sexually assaulted in high school. Um, and because of that, I have always Um, had a really complicated relationship with sex and physical intimacy with partners. Um, And so for a long time after that, I I know some people respond in other ways, like by having even more sex. I responded in the opposite way of pretty much really avoiding sex until I really trusted people. Um, And because of that, I didn't really explore my sexuality a lot um, up until um, about four years after um, my assault happened. And even then, it was only with people I trusted. I I, um, was intimate with very few people. And then I, I, even then, it was like, it very much felt like I was like playing it safe in a way. Um, And wasn't really exploring my body as much as as I could. Um, and I was really questioning whether I had ever had an orgasm. Um, and a lot of people say, like, it's common for women. But I think 
what's more common for women is to not have vaginal orgasms um, rather than not having orgasms altogether. Um, that's also still a thing, but um, it's it's a little bit less common. Um, and for a while, I think I had I had just accepted the truth being that I had never had an orgasm. Um, but I really was, was curious. I, I like was trying to figure out, okay, like if I haven't had an orgasm, how do I have an orgasm? Um, and so I did a bunch of research, um, talked to my therapist about it, looked at like, there's, um, I forget what the website is. Uh, I really wish I knew that offhand, but there's this, um, uh, online therapist who created an entire website about helping people orgasm for the first time. And there's this whole process that you follow. Um, and I did that and I have a womanizer duo. Thanks to, thanks to Sybil here for recommending it. Um, I recommend it to everybody. Everybody (laughs) needs a womanizer duo. Um, if, if womanizer is listening, please sponsor me because like (laughs) your girl is making you so much money. (laughs) Truly, truly. And, I think I I really just started doing research into how other people experience orgasms because a lot of times when you read books or you watch movies or if you watch porn like orgasms are very like single like they're described in one way and it's like often the terms used are like earth shattering or like some sort of phrase that make it seem very much like you 100% know if you had an orgasm. And people have said that to me of like, oh, you would know if you had an orgasm. Um, But I started digging around a little bit about like, if that's actually true. And if, if that's true in how everybody experiences orgasms and it's really hard, right? Because like, there's not a ton of research necessarily in in the realm of how people experience orgasms. And for people with dicks, it's really easy because, you know, there's shit that comes out when, when you orgasm. But, like, for um, people with clits, uh, sometimes it's maybe a little bit harder to tell. And so you can't just base it on the physiological response, but it's also, like, just like about how you feel and so for me a lot of it is like getting to a point where I feel like immensely pleasured I feel satisfied but it doesn't I don't feel that like earth shattering experience um that people often describe and I've been reading I've been reading romance novels recently um smutty romance novels so you know there's lots of sex scenes in them um, and I, I've been, I was reading the sex scenes and I'm like, this is not how I experience, um, how I experience sex, how I, how I experience, um, like self-pleasure. And so I think it's just been, it's been on my mind a lot lately too. Um, but I, I think the conclusion that I'm ultimately coming to is, these are probably my orgasms because like I've done, like I've done my homework. Um, Like I've, I've explored, I've done a lot of things. I know I said that I like put it off for a long time, but I've been coming into my sexuality. Um, And I, I honestly think my orgasms just aren't something that I would describe in the same way that uh, others would describe their orgasms. And it's hard. It's really, really hard because I often find myself questioning, is there something wrong with me? Um, Is it like truly can't I orgasm? Um, Like what are these other people doing that I'm not doing that's get like getting them there? Um, And it's not that I haven't had partners who are willing to do the work. It's not that I haven't like explored myself either. Um, which is, which is what makes it almost harder in a way, because like, I've been doing all the right things. I've been researching things, 
Um, but it's also how I have started to become a little bit more confident in the fact that like may maybe my orgasms just aren't as like grandiose of an experience as is typically described. Mm -hmm. And um, with coming to this kind of revelation, do you like how has that made you feel? Do you think that it's helped? Do you think it's created more confusion? Um, all of the above and you don't have to have like a 100% answer I'm just curious as to how it has uh, affected your mentality around it yeah I think it's all of the above because it's definitely helped in some ways of like I think there's still like a small part of me that's like what if there's something wrong with me but I think for the most part I've accepted like no this isn't something wrong with me this is how my body is and um, I think Sybil, you and I have talked a lot about, like, body neutrality and, like, being grateful for, like, what my body can do for me. And so I still feel pleasure. Like, it still feels really good when I have sex. I still want to have sex. Um, as I noted, I tend to want to trust the person, um, like, a ton before I have sex. But I still, I still enjoy sex. Um, I think... In terms of like more confusion, it's it's like why like and I think maybe some of that is coming from like I'm very scientifically minded and and have studied biology in the past and it's it's just out of curiosity of are there like things or techniques or things that like haven't been studied or tried yet that like would give me bigger orgasms and so. One of the things that I do want to try to do at some point, I don't know if it'll be right now, um, but I would like to try to get a sex therapist um, because I love the idea of even if these are like my orgasms, I've also read that there's a potential for orgasms to get larger, even if you have smaller orgasms. And so I would love the opportunity to work with someone on what are some other techniques that are maybe more niche that I've worked with other people um, and like what like what else is a possibility for me and if it is a possibility for me to build up my orgasms to be larger orgasms like how do I do that and like what like what would they recommend there so um, that's another thing that this has opened um I say not now I don't know if I'm in the right financial situation to um pursue that right now but it's a it's an avenue I definitely want to explore at some point yeah and uh I do want to say that you are in luck because I am currently working on getting a, a sex therapist um and a sex coach to come on um fully intended there um <laughs> uh so hopefully that will all pan out um and i'd love to do like a uh, a listener questions episode um because yeah sex i mean sex and i feel like especially women's sexuality has not has not really been studied um you know orgasms have not been super studied um and if the if studies have been done they're kind of shit um <laughs> so it's really it's really hard uh, and I do want to, you know, validate that, like, orgasms can feel completely different, like, depending on circumstances, headspace, body anatomy, um, you know, just all kinds of things. Because I've, you know, for myself, I've definitely experienced um, orgasms with partners where it's like, oh, it was fine. It was fun. And then, like, with myself, and I'm like, holy fuck, where? How? <laughs> Um, and I also feel like as I've kind of, um, gotten, gotten older and gotten to know my body better, I'm able to tap into those bigger orgasms, um, because I kind of figure out like what I need to do. Like for myself personally, um, a lot of times when I feel myself like get close to orgasming, like my body will like jerk around and like almost like resist and so I've kind of had to train myself and figure out how to like relax and like calm down and breathe through it um to be able to have that like holy fuck seeing stars orgasms um so I think there's so much that goes into it um 
yeah, I'm very curious to to tag along on this adventure. Um, and I'm fortunate to be to be privy to you know <laughs> your sex life. I was gonna say, I think you'll I think you'll be like the first person to know about the journey. So I I really can't wait. Like, Sorry to all the listeners that you're not gonna be privy to the adventure, but uh, Sybil here is going to know all the details. I'm sure. Maybe we can have like a follow up episode though, like if uh, any like new advancements are made, or like you start working with a with a sex uh, therapist or coach. That that would be cool. Maybe, or maybe we'll just keep everyone in the dark. I would feel bummed out about that. <laughs> like, I, I really want you to come back. <laughs> I don't know, but the mystery and the intrigue is kind of fun, isn't it? <laughs> True, but I also don't want to be like, hey, listeners, I have this friend who has this really interesting, like, uh, physiology, um, and now you're going to hear nothing else about her. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that would be so awful. (laughs) You want to keep them hanging on. Exactly. (laughs) We'll talk about this later. (laughs) Um, But the, so the other thing that, you know, I wanted to talk about is that you know, people a lot of times when they think about sex and even when they're having sex, they are solely focused on orgasming. Um, and so I think that sometimes um, it can be viewed negatively if a partner doesn't orgasm. So I'm curious, how do you communicate um, or in the past, how have you communicated how your body reacts and how has that kind of conversation gone? Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good question. Um, And a lot of times the way that I communicate, I mean, obviously it always depends on the partner, right? Um, But it's, it's usually a conversation, if not before the first time we have sex, sometime like shortly thereafter, if we continue having sex um, about the fact that, I mean, I like it's maybe a little bit more challenging to help me orgasm and that my um, I haven't talked to a partner about my orgasms being like not as intense as other people's um, just yet. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's just an open conversation. Um, Partners thus far, like I said, I tend to need to build a little bit of trust with someone um, before I have sex with them. Um, I may, I actually, I'll elaborate a little bit more on that in a little bit. Um, but they've, they've tended to respond well about that and just being like, well, as long as you're like still enjoying it, as long as like, that's really what my partners have said. Um, I don't know if there are things that they're thinking, obviously behind that. But I mean, at the end of the day, like, I, there's nothing more I can do. And if I have like, let's say it's a long-term romantic partner who is uncomfortable with it. Like, I mean, I would hope that that person would have communicated with me openly. Um, I don't know that for sure. Sybil knows reasons why I don't know that for sure. But, um, but it's, it's just one of those things where. There's no, I don't, I think I used to be ashamed of my previously thought inability to orgasm. And even now, like a little bit with the fact that my orgasms aren't as intense as other people's, I think there's a little bit of shame that comes with that. And it's, it's because of societal pressure, right? It's nothing else than society's so-called expectations of how my body should react when um it's being pleasured but um it's it's scary right to like tell tell someone already clearly I have some built up um issues and that's another thing of like that I wonder about is um I in addition to my assault in high school I, I was also raped Um, and it's hard for me to get a sense of 
that might also be a mental block in me experiencing like the full um, intensity of an orgasm that I might be able to achieve. Um, And so I think, I think there's just like a lot that goes into it. And so it's a lot of like potential trauma to unpack with a potential partner, right? Um, Is like, there's my assault and my rape and the, um, just like all of the, those different pieces. And then the fact that I have small orgasms and, and just all of those things are, are a lot. And which is why when I said like open communication, but like to an extent, if you will, of like, tell them what they need to know when they need to know it. Um, because I don't necessarily need to tell them about all of my like sexual traumas to tell them about how my body reacts during sex. But if it's a long-term partner, they probably do need to know about all of that. Um, so it's just, there's just a lot of components. Um, but the piece that I said that I was going to get back to is I've recently been exploring a different part of my sexuality um, about potentially being on the asexual spectrum. I talked a lot about how I need to like know somebody um, a little bit before um, having sex with them. And I, I thought about that a little bit and like, it's, it's interesting because a lot of the labels that are available to the asexual community don't really quite feel like they fit. Um, because a lot of times the way that demisexual is described as having like a deep emotional bond with someone before you're like sexually attracted to them. And I don't think that's true. I think I just need to have some sort of connection to the person And so an actual really good example of this, and actually Sybil knows nothing about this yet because we haven't had the chance to talk about it yet. Is it from recently? It's from recently. Um, (laughs) I'm a little bit envious that everybody else is hearing this at the same time as me, even though I know this episode isn't coming out until like sometime (laughs) in September, but I'm still like, how dare you? (laughs) I'm sorry. I need to talk about it. It's important. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not important. But anyway. Oh, it's important. Go on. Um, so this weekend, I I hooked up with someone who I had just met that, that day. Um, and I haven't done that in years. Um, like, since, since I was raped. I haven't done that. Um, and... I honestly think that the reason I was okay with it and I did it was because that person and I talked for a few hours before we hooked up. We talked about a a lot of things. Um, We talked about, like, their family and we talked about, um, like, just... like their life their friends how they were feeling about like certain things in their life like what they thought about specific um like political issues like we had some very in-depth conversations that in my mind like a lot of people who are going out to just hook up with people don't usually have before they sleep with them and so I do think I'm, I'm somewhere on that, that spectrum of needing some sort of connection with the person, but I don't necessarily think it needs to be like a long connection or need to be um, like super, like super intense or need to have potential for a relationship because this person lives in a different state than me. Like, they live a plane ride away. So it's not like I was um, holding on to hope for a relationship necessarily. Um, And so I think that's – it's interesting as I'm kind of unpacking what my sexuality looks like even more. Just kind of having these experiencing – having these experiences and understanding what – makes me feel comfortable and what makes me feel 
attracted to someone and like wanting to have sex with them because I'm attracted to people regardless of our emotional connection. It's, it's more so at what point do I actually want to have sex with someone? Um, and, and that's, I think another interesting thing about, about asexuality. Um, but I'm still, I'm still unpacking that. I'm still unpacking whether or not I am asexual um, because it may, it might be that it's not, it doesn't actually line up with that and that it's actually another thing altogether, but that's kind of where my head is right now, I guess. So just an interesting exploration phase, I guess, in which I'm currently in. Yeah, for sure. And I do just want to clarify for our listeners that, um, so asexuality, um, it, it, you know, we used to just think of it as not wanting to have sex point blank period. Um, and we've, we've since learned that it's really a spectrum and can range from, um, you know, not wanting to have sex at all to only wanting to have sex um, with people that you do feel a very close emotional bond with. And there are, there are so many other different um, descriptors in there as well. Um, so I just wanted to make that, that point of clarification. Yeah, thanks for clarifying because I did not, I just went right into it, so... No, you're fine. You're fine. And like when we have these conversations, it's like we, we kind of have a an understanding. Um, hopefully I'll be able to get somebody on to talk about that spectrum as well, because I do think it's really interesting. And I feel like that's something that we've, you know, come a long way with um, in my lifetime. And so, you know, I think there's still work to be done. Um, but yeah, I think that's interesting. And um, I'm kind of curious. Uh, I wonder if like part of it for you is um, that you are really like mentally stimulated um, by like intellect. I I honestly think it, it might be. Um, I, I think the other thing too is just do, do I know enough about this person to know whether they're going to respect me and my body. And I can say that this person, and it was like, we were, we were joking about it somewhat when we, like, as we were hooking up, but it was also really comforting because every step of the way they asked me if they could remove my shirt. They asked if they could remove my shorts. They like, and it was like one of those things. And even after I was completely naked, they asked, can I have sex with you? And to me, like those consensual pieces are so, so important. Um, and I just, I trusted that they were going to do that because I had built a relationship with them, even if it was for a short time period. Yeah, I I love that. I definitely am somebody who thinks that consent is not only sexy, but necessary. Um, and I feel like, especially for, for people who have experienced um, any kind of sexual assault or harassment, um, which is honestly most, most people at this point, um, I think that it, it's even more, more so important and even more so comforting and allows them to have a, a better experience. Um, so I think that's really something important to take into consideration. Um, yeah. An, another thing that I wanted to, to uh, point out, and this is kind of circling back, um, but I know you mentioned like feeling like your orgasms didn't, didn't seem like what you'd seen on TV or, or read in books. Um, and, you know, I think it's important to, to talk about how fantastical sex is when we, when it's portrayed in, in any kind of media, you know, in, in most TV shows, it's like, ah, they bone, they bone for like a minute and the woman's just like, Wah! like splattered against the wall, like all, all kinds of jizzed up. Um, and it's like, that's not how it is for everybody. Like I am somebody, um, where it's like I'm very easily aroused and excited. It's like the wind blows and I'm like, oh, hi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's me and that's my body. And so somebody else's might be completely different and it might take them longer to get aroused. It might take them longer to decide that they want to have sex. 
Um, and so the same is true for for orgasms. And yes, like you were saying, everybody feels or feels orgasms so completely differently. And it, it can depend on the situation. And it can also just depend on like your your body. There's just no right or wrong way. Um, and I feel like a lot of times for people, orgasms are like the main goal of sex. And it doesn't have to be that way. Um, so I'm I'm curious what has been kind of your perspective on sex if you are maybe going against that goal of like orgasming or at least you previously were or are you like this time I'm gonna get it I will come like, <laughs> what has kind of been your outlook on sex no I mean my outlook on sex is like I mean sex is fun like I I think what I think what the connotation is when either you think you're not orgasming or your orgasms are smaller than you expect is the connotation is like, Oh, sex isn't as good or it, it's not fun, but that's, that's not true. Like sex is still fun. It still feels really good. Like, trust me, I would tell you if it didn't feel good because when it doesn't feel good, it really doesn't feel good. And I don't want you in there. Like, <laughs> like, so fair. <laughs> like, um, I would, I would tell you to ask him, but one of my partners can attest, like, oh, yeah, no, she asked me to stop one day. Like, she just straight up was like, no, I need you to not do this. And this was, like, recently within, like, the past few months. Mm-hmm. Um, just, like, I am not, if I'm not enjoying myself, you're gonna know. Like, I'm gonna tell you. And so, for me, like, it's fun. I think the other thing, too, is when I'm in a romantic relationship with someone sex is just very intimate especially I know it's intimate for everybody but it's especially intimate for me um of like that means that I trust you mm-hmm. a lot because I have been taken advantage of uh like a number of times and so for me to give like give you control of my body in some ways um that means that I trust you to stop when I say stop um and it's it's like a really really big thing for me and so I would say the two things are it's fun slash pleasurable and it's it gives me that emo- like that physical connection to someone that I care a lot about um So, yeah, and I mean, I guess to describe another, yet another experience that is kind of interesting is um, I, somebody I was seeing and I, we decided to um, call our, like, call our romantic relationship off. And that night we, um, we had sex and afterwards I just felt almost gross in a way and it's it's interesting because like I said I trusted that person we clearly had a connection because like we had just been like dating um but after we decided we didn't we weren't gonna date anymore it just all of a sudden that sex didn't have it wasn't the same and it almost because like physically it I I don't say I don't want to say it felt exactly the same because physically it didn't honestly um but it also just it felt different in that like the way that that person acted towards me was the same in that context and it made me feel gross in some way and so like even sex with the same person can just be different depending on the context and like your emotions that day and I just wanted to call that out because I think it's really important to note that that difference that shift um and like whenever you don't want to have sex like don't have sex like because that's not what sex is about yeah yeah and I think I think too it it is important like I love how you said like 
if it doesn't feel good to me, I'm going to say stop. Like, I, I feel like um, a lot of times people will just like ride it out, so to speak. You know, just, oh, it'll be done soon. And even though they're not enjoying themselves and maybe it for some people it can even be painful. Um, and so if you're not having a good time, any partner who cares about you even in the least and respects you is going to be like, I don't want to keep doing this because you're not enjoying yourself. And if they continue to have sex with you after you've said stop, that is rape. And we all need to know that consent can be given and it can be taken away. And it's not up to, to you to decide when, it, when somebody can or cannot take the consent they had previously given away. Um, so I think that's that's really important. And I, I know that there are a lot of people who who needed to hear that. Um, when we say no, we're not being cute. We're not being coy. When we say stop, uh, unless you are in a, like a bonded situation and you have another safe word um, and you've already talked about this, then it, it's it's not it's not a fun game. It, it, it's rape. Um, so uh, now that we've uh, covered that, um, I also wanted to uh, have just a, a short discussion because uh, I know that we've had this uh, conversation before, too. Um, but please uh, tell us how you would describe your own sexuality. Yeah. Um, so I identify, interestingly, um, in in two ways, really. Um, so my I would say my main sexuality, how I would describe myself if I were to describe it to um, like a close friend or someone who I was intimate with is um omnisexual and the reason why i specified how i would describe it to a close friend or someone i was intimate with um is because people don't usually know what omnisexual means and so it's something that if i don't want to get into it or i don't want to explain myself further um i don't I don't really want to use that word because people are going to have more questions than are answered with me saying that that's my sexuality. And so for those people, I would describe my sexuality as bisexual. Um, And I was only, I actually only started becoming comfortable with describing my sexuality as bisexual very recently because the more research I, I was doing on bisexuality, the more I got was able to get away from the idea that bisexual by the prefix meaning two implies that you are attracted to two genders when I don't believe that there are only two genders. Um, and by I don't believe, I mean there are not just two genders. Um, just, to, just to clarify and make my language crystal clear, there are not just two genders. It is a spectrum. And to me, I am attracted to any one of those genders um, at, at any given time. And so bi to me always felt very pigeonholed. Um, but the definition of bisexuality really kind of dry, like unpacks that a little bit by saying like attraction to two or more genders um and actually um one of the stripes of the bi flag is actually representative of like the fact that gender is a spectrum and so I've become more and more comfortable with referring to myself as bisexual um not only just to strangers or like people that I don't feel like explaining myself to um but also just in general referring to myself as bi um I preferred the the term omnisexual because I'm a big I'm a big language person and omni meaning all as as the root in latin um seemed a lot more fitting um and for those listening at home who are familiar with um the sexuality spectrum if you will may have the question standing out in your mind why I don't identify as pan um and that is because pansexual the way that I understand the definition is that you are 
attracted to everyone equally and gender is kind of a secondary notion whereas I tend to um, prefer having mask presenting partners Um, and so because of that preference is really what leads me into the omni bi category as opposed to the pan category yeah thank you for that that thorough explanation I appreciate that um another thing that we've touched on is um feeling like a fraud in the non-straight space can you please uh tell us a little bit about your experience because I think a lot of us have experienced this yeah so I have only serious I've seriously dated only cisgender men and so because of that it really it just makes me feel like my sexuality is somehow not important or not real in some way and it's it's strange to say that out loud. I don't know. When I say it out loud, I'm like, this is ridiculous um, because I am attracted to women and that's what makes me bisexual. Um, but when it comes down to it, it's it's that question of when I go into, let's say I go into a gay bar, like, or like, I just, the question is like, am I, am I bi enough to be here? And that's such a, Like, when I say it out loud, and I think, like, when people listen to this, they're going to be like, that's such a ridiculous thing to ask, right? Of, like... I also think that it's it's more common than you would think. Oh, I 100% know that. So, I I did a project um, that involved um, specifically targeting bi plus, bi plus, um, referring to the bisexual plus anybody who's attracted to more than one gender kind of community um, at using that as an umbrella term, um, targeting those individuals. And some of the research that um, we did pointed to a lot of this um, internalized biphobia and um, just kind of feelings of non-belonging within the LGBTQ plus community um, because where where do I fit in like when I go to um a bar targeted towards lesbians and I just told you I prefer mask presenting people whether whether they are trans whether they are cisgender like it doesn't it doesn't like that part doesn't matter but that's what I I tend to go for and so when I enter like a bar targeted towards lesbians there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of women um and that's not it's it's just it makes me feel out of place and it's it's just really hard to almost feel like I don't have a spot in some of these places that were supposed to be specifically designed for people in the LGBTQ community um I'm also going to use the the term queer, and I know that has some historical connotations of being a negative term um, for anybody who's not a part of the LGBTQ community. I would exercise caution when using the term queer, um, but I wanted to note it just because I may use it because I do use that term to identify for myself, um, but wanted to note that sometimes it can come off as an insult um, if if being used by the wrong person um, in the wrong way. Um, so just wanted to note that. But I think it feels like all of these queer spaces has, have been developed for people, but I don't feel like the target audience, especially because a lot of times when I'm in a relationship, I am straight passing. Um, straight passing for for anyone who's not familiar Meaning that me and my partner can go out in public and we can appear as though we are a straight couple. Um, And I think that too is hard because that's what is referred to as bi erasure and people essentially assuming that I'm straight when I'm not. Um, 
And I think that just leads to more feelings of not belonging to the queer community. Um, so it's just kind of a vicious cycle, as you can probably, as you can probably tell from the way that I'm describing it of, it's just constantly like, am I queer enough? And then like having, like, if I have a cisgender male partner, like, like presenting as heterosexual and it's just thing after thing after thing that's kind of drilling home the question of do I belong here and the answer is yes I do belong there like 100% like I said LGBTQ B like the B is bi and I think it's hard because I need to hammer that home with myself and I need to constantly remind that to myself Yeah. And it can be hard too. Like I've definitely received some comments um, because uh, similarly to you, if I'm just trying to like quickly describe my sexuality and I don't really want to get into it, I'll use the term bi. Um, But I actually identify as being pansexual. So um, just as you were describing earlier, it's like gender is, is really secondary to me. Like I'm much more invested in like what what is this person like what what does their soul look like as cheesy as that sounds um but that's what I'm attracted to more so than how they present um or or what's between their legs or anything of that nature um so for for me you know I've I've said to people like oh well I'm I'm bi or I'm pan and if I say that to another woman sometimes their automatic assumption is oh, this is just a straight girl trying to explore her sexuality, which is not the case at all. I'm very comfortable with my sexuality. Um, But there's that, yeah, it it kind of promotes that feeling of like, you're not gay enough, but you're not straight enough, Um, which is, you know, it's it's an icky way to feel. And it it does make you feel like, especially if you are in um, what would be considered a heteronormative relationship, you know, it's 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 hard to be like, well, am I a phony? Like, am I a fraud? Um, you're not. <laughs> you you are, you are not. Like, just you can you can be uh, a bisexual person who previously dated a woman and now you are dating a, a man and still be bi. Or you can be somebody who has only ever dated people of a gender different from yours and still be bi or pan or omni or whatever. Um, so, you know, I hope that we can all kind of get to a place where we are more graceful with each other and with, and with uh, uh, ourselves and realizing that, like, there's not really a lot of rules when it comes to what defines somebody as as being queer in any sense of the word. It's it's really, you know, just how you how you feel and how you are attracted to people. And um, so, yeah, I think that's that's something that a lot of people struggle with. And it's very, very fascinating. Um, so I'm curious to see how that evolves as well. Yeah, I agree. I also just wanted to call out one thing um, that you had said. Um, you use the phrase heteronormative. Um, heteronormative, I don't think was the right word that you meant to use in that context. <laughs> um, you meant to use heterosexual, or um, not yeah, heterosexual um, in that context. Just for the listeners at home, heteronormative is kind of the societal expectation that relationships are typically between two people of opposite genders, um, which we hopefully all know is not the case. Um, But it's kind of the expectation of if you um, go up to a um, femme presenting person and you assume that their partner is is male presenting or a man um, that's that's heteronormativity kind of the the pervasiveness of heterosexual relationships within society yes thank you thank you for clarifying that this is why I keep you around because you call me out on on you know bullshit um <laughs> well thanks for you always ex- just accept the call outs and you're just like yes this is good thank you for calling me out which is what everyone take take note from Sybil. that's how you should react when someone's calling you out on something i also like i also um like to use the phrase calling in to a conversation as opposed to calling out um but that's a another 
that's another thing altogether. Um, but yes, everyone should take notes because the way that you graciously handle feedback, I think, is something to exemplify by everyone. Well, and I also think it makes a difference, too, that you're not just being like, hey, asshole, you used the wrong word. Like, because I know and trust you and love you, like, you could definitely say that to me. Uh, but because you choose to say, like, hey, I just want to point something out. Like, you you said this. I think you might have meant this. Like, I think that's that's really important, too, is, like, you know, give people the benefit of a doubt and assume that they mean the best intention. And if they continue to being at, to be an asshole, then like you know that they are just assholes. Um, but for the most part, we're all just trying to figure shit out. So I yeah. appreciate that. One hundred percent. We're all figuring shit out. Yes. Um, if I may, I wanted to elaborate just a little bit more about like asexuality, um, because I think there are a lot of maybe no, they are. They, I, I there's just a lot of connotations around being asexual um and i think as you said we've come a long way in our lifetimes but i think there's still a lot of questions like i i watch instagram reels i don't know how many other people around here watch instagram reels but i know (laughs) i know that i saw one recently of like people asking someone who is on the a spectrum like things about like their sexuality and like They're like, oh, like, ace people never want to have sex. And I think it's just really important that, like, if someone does come out to you as ace or, like, you're dating someone who's ace, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're never going to have sex. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're never going to want to have sex with you. It just means that they probably have other things that impact the way that they experience sex. Um, And, like, don't we all? Like, it's just, like, for ace people it might be very specific things that impact the way that they have sex and there might be specific things that impact whether they want to have sex um so I just wanted to call that out because I think that there's a lot of there are a lot of like misconceptions around what it means to be on the ace spectrum yeah yeah I I think that's really important to note as well um, and like I said, we're still learning. Um, with everything, I I always like to say, be curious. Um, don't just go in and make assumptions, um, because especially if you're not part of a particular um, community, then you don't you don't know anything, and most likely you don't even know the half of it. Um, so ask questions and and say like, oh, you know, I saw that your dating profile says that you're asexual. What does that mean to you? Like, what? How does how does that affect your sexuality? And, you know, it's just let them kind of tell you what that means for them, for their particular situation. Yeah. And like the same way that I like you heard Sybil and I both say, like, sometimes we both say that we're bi, but like clearly the way that we described that was very different. And so when somebody says their sexuality to you, like, don't. Like, it's hard to take that at face value because it means so many different things to so many different people. Yeah. And, you know, I think if anything, this episode has definitely, like, shown that having open and honest communications around sex and sexuality and gender um, is is really what's critical and and what's important. Um, Because you can't expect everybody to be mind readers we most definitely are not. Um, you are going to be very, very disappointed if you think that people are just automatically going to know what you want and what you need. Uh, so even though it can be hard, speak up um, because it's it's worth it. Um, Persephone, I, I want to thank you for coming on this podcast. I appreciate you speaking so openly and honestly and always always putting up with my bullshit um (laughs) i uh so i am going to um call you soon because i want to hear more about um these events that went down that you told my listeners and me about (laughs) yeah no thank you for having me and i just do want to point out because i know this is a podcast and no one's going to get to see what you're wearing but I think it's worth pointing out that Sybil is wearing a shirt that says fuck on it. And, like, the way that the video is is I can only see fuck even though I know the shirt says fuck it. Um, but it's just it, – it seems like the perfect shirt to be wearing for this podcast. 
I was really grateful that I that I grabbed this shirt because I was like, oh, folks, I think my shower is a time vortex. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just need to, to put that out into the ether that like I got into the shower and next thing I knew I, I was late. Um, <laughs> so the fact that I like grabbed this shirt uh, that says fuck all over it and we were talking about fucking and fucking related things. Um, I just am like, this is kismet. It is. It is. I appreciate it. All right. Well, uh, again, thank you. And for my listeners, we will see you next week. Catch you on the flip side. Thank you so much for listening to Civil for Sex the show where we talk about sex, kinks, and everything between the sheets. If you like what you hear, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To see additional content from me, you can find me on Instagram at Sybil underscore Shameless. We'll see you next week. Bye!